0: Hey guys, this is Brittany Joy Fountain. I am the founder and chief humanity officer for Brit Joy & Co. And this is the nitty gritty Podcast. This is the podcast where we go all in on the most important and basic details of a well-executed, well-nurtured workplace culture. These are the details that no one wants to get into because, well, humans are a mess. But you know what? That is my sweet spot. It's in that nitty-gritty that we find the transformation that we need and the transformation that we want. So if you're ready, let's get into it. All right, y'all, this is episode 15 of the Nitty Britty podcast, and we are going to jump back into the conversation with Henry Jordan. Our conversation started with episode 14. So if you missed it, skip on back and check it out or start today, mix it up. Dealer's choice. As a reminder, Henry is the retired Senior Divisional Vice President for Walmart Stores. He's an author, motivational speaker, real estate agent, and an overall champion for leadership and culture within the workplace. Y'all, this conversation is so rich. I took so many notes, and I'll give you a recap at the end of the episode. But enough from me. Back to the conversation. Yeah. And what is the risk of doing we know the risk of not doing we see that so we see that with the data we see that with the organizations we see that with the profitability and our wellness and overall innovations and market standings and all of that but what's the risk if we do so why don't we just push a button and see what happens yeah what would be the risk of that it turns out it's very low it is very low to implement a system or a framework of this type of consistency and this type of, you know, imperceivable shifts to the rudder, whether yeah. that's in language or in process, that could yield huge results for the organization, for your families, for your communities, and the ripple effects, so on and so forth. I,
1: I love that response, you know, well, what's the risk? Well, what's the risk of not doing it? You know, right. that... That all of a sudden, it kind of puts it all in perspective, you know? know? Exactly. Great thought. I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have, I think when I, I had an instinctual perspective of what this should be. Instinctually, it was, if we want culture to Mm -hmm. have a clear outcome, it needs to have a clear focus. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, it seems like we would do that in the same way. That we do to any other aspect of the business that's important. You know, money is important, so we have a finance team. And that's right. sales is important, so we have a sales team. Accounts
1: so we have a risk management team. Absolutely. Yes.
0: Exactly. So on and so forth. So culture is important. Shouldn't we have a culture team?
1: I love We're all that. You responsible. need to I'm sold. If I'm a CEO of a company today, I'm, I'm like, Okay. What do we need to do? I I love that approach.
0: Yes. And so um you know, when I put this out there, it was like this seems like this is the best thing and let's just test it out. Let's let's push the button and let's yeah. see if it works. And it turns out it does. It does. Um, and so it makes me think about organizations that are large and small. I mean, you work one-on-one with clients right now. And what's possible on one-on-one certainly is possible at scale. What we have to do is provide the reciprocal resources and intentionality to scale Yeah. in the same way that we do to anything else in an organization.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing I think that's important. I've, I've done a little bit of work with some... Uh, Been a part of a very, very large, one of the largest organizations in the in the world, and business wise. And then I've also worked with some really, really small organizations, Mm -hmm. and even the big organizations were small at one time. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I I worked with one particular company that was a production, a great production company in Arkansas um, a, a year or two ago. And they were concerned because they were running like 150, 160, you know, percent annual growth in their business year over year, and the the business opportunity was growing a lot faster than they were able to grow their people. And the CEO and owner, his concern when he called me was, you know, I don't want to lose my culture amidst this growth. You know, otherwise I'll get the growth, but it, it will be unhealthy growth and it'll become fragmented. He said, I'd rather grow slower and grow healthier so that as the company does mature into something big, down the road it it's something sustainable and it still represents the core values and the core beliefs and the culture that I started it with when it was me and three other people. And I got a, a Christmas calendar this Christmas from them and a, a picture. And they must have a hundred people working with them now. And business is phenomenal and things are going great. But I attribute a lot of the success that they're experiencing today to that CEO owner realizing when it was only him and a handful of people, he was already thinking about, you know, what is this ball going to look like when it gets 200 yards down the fairway? and What do I need to do today to position the culture and my growth and my atmosphere and, and everything about what they do in a healthy way and, you know, between the lines that will cause this growth to be healthy and help the organization to be one that i 'm proud of when i when I do have a hundred or two hundred people, and I have no doubt that he will probably continue to grow until he's one of the leaders in that industry but yeah it's yeah. important it's probably more important when you're small you know because yeah. that's what really gets into the DNA of the company and and it's a little bit reactionary though no less important if you're a big company and your culture has become fragmented. You really do need to call somebody in uh you know before you you know have to go in the cultural i c u um you know to help with that because it 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 affects everything it affects monetarily it it affects your turnover your customer it affects everything
0: yeah, I think that's such a great point that everyone's affected by this regardless of the size of the company and the analogy of fixing it on the front end versus fixing it on the back end yeah we have incredible modern medicine you can have heart replacement you know you can you can replace an organ you can live without an organ in some cases but wouldn't it just be better if we took care of things on the front end
1: it would <laughs> be you have to
0: go down that critical path
1: it's that whole thing about proactive versus reactive you know and and uh, intentional versus unintentional and When businesses get in that reactive mode, when leaders get in that reactive mode, man, things just go south really, really quick. You know, you you just, if there's one word of advice I always try to give people that are leaders in, in any realm, it's that you have got to organize your day, your time, the things around you, be willing to say no, be willing to put the phone down, be willing to do whatever you have to do to to stay on the proactive side of, of leading and managing, I don't like the, the managing word, but the, of leading and influencing your team. And when you stay proactive, man, you're intentional. I, I remember Brittany one time, we used to travel a lot. Like we'd go fly out to our territories like on Monday, and we'd fly back on Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, I remember it was during the holidays and we did like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, visit out to the, to the facilities. And I remember on a Friday night, typically, you know, it's like, oh, the, the people that travel with you like, oh, let's just get out of the store's way. You know, we don't need it's really like an excuse to just go out, and, you know, to a restaurant and enjoy our evening. And uh, but I said that night, I said, you know what, we're going to leave at, at four or five and then we're going to um, go out and eat. And then at about six or seven, we're going to go back and work in the stores for several hours. So it was during Christmas. We go back. And man, the cashiers on the front end, it's just rocking and there's seven or eight people in every line and they're, they're working, you know, their butts off. And so I said, here's what we're going to do. Go get soft drinks, go get bottles of water, and and we're going to walk up and down the checkouts and we're going to serve the cashiers and thank them for what they're doing while they're doing it. And, you know, I didn't have any ulterior motive in doing that, but you cannot, Imagine how that what we did that night, me and the people from the home office, just by taking some time out of our night to go and serve instead of telling people what to do. Yeah, that rippled throughout our entire region for probably two years. And then here's the cool part then I start hearing about market managers that went on a Friday night out to help, and other store managers that came in and worked overnight with their people unloading the trucks. It just created this really cool domino effect. And it was, it really, at the time, it was just trying to do the right thing. It was just having some empathy to realize, you know what, this is not all about me or you, but it's, it's about the people around us, you know? And um, when, when we give ear to that and when we have empathy and we think about other self and maybe quit taking so many stupid selfies of ourself and start taking people with our attention and our concern. It's amazing the stuff that comes out of that, you know, that, and and it's contagious. I love it.
0: It is the model and mirror effect of this type of effort to employees um, and what that does to other people. And I think that we all have this spark within us. I think that's how we were designed to Mm -hmm. want to engage and want to connect in ways like what you did with the folks who were in the store that night. And to be able to see leadership do that and give you the runway to be able to then model and mirror that for other people. You're right. It's the ripple effect from very small moments. Yeah. That really are the ones that are most impactful for people. Yeah. Um, I think about culture and clear examples of the culture that we want to have, like what you just shared. Mm-hmm. And almost everybody across the board thinks and knows that it's important.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you think there is a gap that exists? between the business case and I hate saying the business case for it because you know I can rattle off any number of data that you want for it um yeah. versus the feel good case. Do you feel like there's a gap in the connection between those two um with leaders in general?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I've experienced it firsthand where you know um when When you think about how fluid the economy is, um, things will be great for a while, the price of, of fuel, um, inflation, deflation, uh, the the things that are changing in our government, the things that are changing socially, all of those things kind of go into affect how people spend money, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a business Uh, operational role, leadership role in any type of corporation or business, you know, you're affected by that. And if you're a public traded company, it's even worse because now you're, you have this pressure to perform, to get results financially. And, you know, that is, that's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, I'm thankful for a country where people can engage in business, where entrepreneurs can start new businesses, where Corporations can grow and and innovate and all that. That's all a good thing. But when you're in the middle of that, and on one hand, you have the pressure to perform. And a lot of people say, well, you know, there's no, I don't put pressure on, you know, there's pressure. If you have a and l
0: We know we have a job to do.
1: There's pressure. And and it varies. But, you know, in one hand, you have the, the pressure to perform and produce good financial results, which is legit. But in the other hand, you have this this conviction and this awareness of the cultural uh sensitivity and, and how the two can meld together. And and I think what what happens, the breakdown or the disconnect comes is when you get so focused on results that you start taking shortcuts and yeah. you you have to kind of keep that long-term approach. And I'll tell you, sometimes it is really, really hard to not when you get that phone call from from somebody and they're like listen you've got to do this or you've got to achieve that it is so easy to have a knee jerk reaction mm-hmm. to, to and a lot of times that the the collateral damage of knee jerk reactions in business are pretty bad they're bad for Definitely. the employees and the associates they're bad for and at the end of the day they're bad for the customer which which always knows so you know i think you got to continually balance the two and and this kind of, to me, gets back to what I've always called the deposit and withdrawal uh, example. Exactly. Um, if if I open a bank account and I deposit $100 in it and I go out the next week and I spend $150, I've spent money that I don't have. I've made more withdrawals than I have deposits. That'll get you in trouble real quick in the banking <laughs> in your finances, uh, managing your financial finances. Yet in the, in the world, in the cultural business environment, we continually see examples where more withdrawals are made oftentimes from the people in the organization than the deposits that are You have to make more deposits into your people all the time, ongoing, it never stops. So that when you cross a tough time, when you get into a situation where you need to trim cost, or lower cost, or you need to be more proactive and aggressive on driving business market share and sales, you have to have the deposits in your people so that they can become part of the solution, not a means by which you achieve some temporary short-term gain. And when I have been able personally to hold myself to that, I've been able to overcome problems because you know the other thing that causes you to do is it causes you to not just look to yourself for the solution, yeah. but to engage the people that you've been making a deposit in all along, maybe when things weren't quite so tough, and then they be- they align with you and become part of the way that we fix this thing. And um, yeah, it it, it definitely. But, but to answer your question, it, it, there's definitely a disconnect I think out there, and and um, it, it it's. It's hard sometimes, you know, it's hard to keep equal um, importance and equal equity in in both business results and in in your uh, in the preservation and promotion of your culture.
0: Yeah, I think this just is summarized. as like, yes, and, you know, (laughs) yes, Mm -hmm. yes, it's hard and it's possible and yes hard business decisions have to be made and it's easier when you've made more deposits than withdrawals yeah. and being able to set expectations and communicate with clear language with people yeah. because yeah. one thing, you know, that I'm, I went through a situation a few years ago where our daycare um, was going to be shut down
2: mm-hmm.
0: and childcare is hard. It's hard to find childcare in this country. and mm-hmm. It was a situation that was explained to the parents as a business decision. And fine, great. I'm a business gal. Let's talk about it. And the explanation just did not make sense. The dollars and cents were not there. And long story short, they didn't end up shutting down. It was a whole situation that could have been avoided from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But the posture of the parents was very much like we're adults. If this is a business decision, we know how a business has to be ran. It has Mm -hmm. to have a profit. If you don't have a profit, you can't pay your people and so on and so forth. We get that. And I think as employees, they often feel the same way of like, look, we're adults. We're here. We are we are operating in this business for you and for us. But we get it. So if we can just make more deposits.
2: Then withdrawals.
0: And if we can just use clear language,
2: yeah.
0: We have the trust already there with our folks where we can explain what's happening. And perhaps again, press a button, let's just try it. Perhaps if we do these things, you'll have a better buy-in from folks.
1: You definitely will. And then so then then another great discussion, which is a discussion almost all on its own, is so what do those deposits look like? Mm. You know, yeah, and, um, and and that's where I think you you get into your your routines and your habits, and you know how what is your situation like where you decide on a Friday night to go up and oh, and and by the way, one of my favorite things that happened with that I was always a little bit I wouldn't say a rebel, but I I think probably a rebel, but uh,
2: with the
0: cause definitely not yeah. without you're with a cause.
1: I used to always say, and I kind of lived by the same thing, and it got me in trouble a few times, but um, but I lasted 28 years. But, but uh, I was always like, you should never have a culture in an organization where you have to ask permission to do what's right. Mm-hmm.
2: You just good. have
1: to make sure you do a good job of defining what right looks like. Mm-hmm. And I use the term a lot, I wrote about it a lot in the book, about you know what you will find when it comes to setting expectations is that a lot of people do not agree or understand on what good looks like and i think one of the most important roles of leadership uh, in any scope whether you have two people that are under you and you're shift leader at a coffee shop or whether you're Doug McMillan or the equivalent CEO of a large multi-billion dollar operation I think you have to realize that you set an example in everything you do, and the people around you have to set that same example. And on the things that matter, on the big things, you have to have a very clear, ongoing reinforcement of what good looks like. You and I were talking about this recently. Um, You know, you think about going into an assembly plant for a vehicle, but when Ford starts out and they say, here's the spec, here's the end product, here's what this F-150 Platinum truck's got to look like, this is the color blue, this is this is what it has to look like. They don't go and they don't tell the people on the assembly line, well, you know, when it gets to you, just kind of do what you feel, you know, use your creativity and, you know, whatever mood you're in, just kind of put that on the truck. They don't do that. I mean, there's environments where that is very healthy and there are places in every organization like marketing. Where you need to tell people, listen, let your creativity explode. We'll rein it in if we need. It. On the assembly line is not that place, and <laughs> it has to determine in those different segments of their business operations, merchandising, logistics, whatever your business is. Every, you know, you have to have a clear definition of what things are flexible and and have room for creativity. Where other places, you have to be more formal with that now. Having said that, so when the truck goes down the assembly line, there is a particular specification that every person that touches the truck has to be, and it's it's not for discussion. You do it this way. Yep. Now, when the truck gets to the end of the line, the great thing is if everybody does their part, the truck looks exactly like what we decided it was going to look like whenever we created the the plan for the truck. But it doesn't stop there. Then... You go back to those people on the assembly line and say, listen, if you ever have a, a more efficient or a better way or a better idea of the way we're doing this, let us know so we can incorporate that into the process. And, and so it's not that you have this attitude, if you're Ford building the F-150, that we figured it out. This is the only way it'll ever be. The way they innovate, the way they've produced the best-selling truck like for the last 100 years or whatever, is uh, probably not quite that long. But is that they have continued to innovate, and when that person on the seventeenth step you know says, "You know what? what if we tweaked it like this? Wouldn't it make it a better product? Somebody in Ford listened, good for them, and they now consider making that part of the process. so I think all that is so important that word alignment is so important and it it empowers you know uh, teams and people and processes and businesses. To, uh, to have something that then they can continue to evaluate on how to make it better. But if they don't have that alignment around the process to start with, they, they don't really position themselves to be able to adjust that as they move forward. So.
0: That's right. To know that processes and people and organizations and societies are changing daily.
1: Yeah.
0: To have a system or a framework in place that allows for sort of the continual ebb and flow of what it means to be in alignment. Yeah, Uh, That's critical, because what you don't want to happen is something to be noticed, and it take six, nine, 12 months to actually make it through a chain, because at that point, we're all different people. We're all operating differently. Perhaps this assembly line you know, has been redone from something that was initiated two years ago.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so no, I I think any time that you can sort of almost eliminate the phrase of "that's not my job," oh yeah, you're going to find a better cultural environment.
1: Um, yeah.
2: Which and is it goes back.
1: Le- leadership. Think about this. Yeah. I- I'm a leadership history buff. So. Walt Disney, Sam Walton, you go back and you study them and you look at at these incredible businesses they both built. Both of them talk ongoing and have some great quotes about people. Walt Disney said something, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you can build the greatest theme park in the world. You can have the greatest rides, the most exciting lights, and the greatest castles. But if you ever uh, underestimate the value of people, you have nothing. Sam Walton said one time again, paraphrased. He said, "Listen to the people on the front lines; they know the most." Yeah. And so, you know, customers will tell you. I, I, you know, I pay attention to my own behavior a lot when I'm shopping, and I'll tell you one of my pet peeves is when you go in. I'm a self checkout guy. Some, you Are know, really, you can divide the country. People either love them or hate them. I love them.
0: <laughs> I,
2: I
1: look. You hate them?
0: but i definitely i i i miss having a good cashier yeah um not to interrupt your story but i will for a second there's a guy (laughs) at our local harris teeter and his name is paul and he is salt of the earth he knows his customers he knows the colleges that their children are applying to he knows the kind of creamer that i like for my coffee he is just the best. And I am to wait in line. Like, if he's four or five people, I'll wait in line instead of going to self checkout, even if it's just for a carton of ice cream. I'm like, yeah. Paul, <laughs> you have me all day.
1: You know what, Brady? Even though I'm a self checkout snob and you don't like self checkouts, you know, we can still walk together.
0: That's right. That's right. We can do this. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's funny, But so I hate going into a store, though. And you do like when you go into Home Depot, for example, and you use your credit card and it recognizes yeah. you and it'll say to you, you know, whatever. And it'll say, you know, how would you like your receipt? And you always hit text and print. Right. Because my wife's an accountant and she gets real excited if I spend money on anything, don't have a receipt. So I try to uh, I try to help her with that. But at Home Depot and those others, you put your your phone number in one time. And it knows your phone number. And so it's just, yeah, you know, text and it's like, thanks for shopping. And then the thing spits out. But I won't say who, but there's this other company that I shop in periodically. And you go in and every time you use a credit card, and I've been shopping there for years, it asks me for the phone number over and over and over again. So it might seem like a little thing. And, and, and the example probably is, but the point is that organization somehow needs to listen to their employees that are on the front line dealing with the self-checkouts because there's still people up there. Because I've told that in that particular company to many, many people and it hadn't changed. And I know I'm not the only one and and most every other organization does that. So the challenge is in your organization, how do you make sure? uh, A good friend of mine used to work or uh, still does, I think, at Starbucks. You know, and and I'm, I'm always impressed as I travel across the country how I can go in and order a skinny vanilla latte. Mm, Hmm. Very good. A lot of vanilla. And it it tastes the same in California as it does in North Carolina, as it does in Florida, as it does in Fairhope, Alabama. How is that? You know, it makes you um, actually not Fairhope. It would be mobile because we don't have a Starbucks in Fairhope, though I wish we did. But – you know getting that level of consistency doesn't just happen it happens because you know somebody intentionally wants it to yeah. but at the same time how do you get uh, as a leader connected with the people on the front line to the to the point that whatever that issue is those things are continually looked at and addressed in your um you, you You've got to stay connected to people on the front line. And with everything happening with AI and all that, and even self-checkouts, there are still people involved and there always will be people involved. Yeah. You know, We're never going to have a world where we walk outside and go to a business and do all this stuff and there's nothing but a bunch of robots around. Like, I love chat GBT and AI and all that. It's great technology and it will fill a lot of roles, but there will always, as long as there are people, there will always be people in organizations that need leadership and, and need leadership that cares about them and that helps them and that listens to them. And that's how the whole, you know, business evolution happens it, to get better and better every day. And um, anyway, long answer, but. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, again, it's just the yes and of it all. It's yes, we will continue to have great technology and we will need to stay connected as people. And whether that is in the office or at home or wherever work allows you to be and operate, we still have to do this together. So we're not getting out of here by ourselves. We've tried that. it's just put us in a real bad spot.
2: (laughs) Oh,
0: and I mean, at this point, there's so much just information and data that's available that sort of supports From my own perspective, you know, at first it was intuition. It was an intuitive place to say, we're not doing this great. And it's not specific to the organization where I was working. It was just sort of a blanket observation. Um, You and I have talked about, I love to go into a store and observe. Yeah. I mean, an airport is like, man, that's my playground. It's
1: a blessing and a (laughs) curse.
0: Yeah. Like, to see the, the nuances of people and the non verbals.
1: Um, I mean, woo. I was like, why? My wife's like, why can't you just go in, go to the bathroom, get the coffee, get the sandwich, and come back out? You know, why do you have to evaluate their engagement score and the quality of leadership and how much detailed touring they're doing and how efficient they are at the checkouts? You know, but it just, you know, if that's who I am, I can't, and you're the same way, I know, you, you just can't help it.
0: <laughs> I'm not a good person to ask, like, yeah, you know, what's your favorite show or what, you know, what fiction book are you reading? I'm like, fiction? Yeah. Why do we need fiction? Have y'all seen what's going on out there?
1: No, the reality is way That's too
0: it. <laughs> Y'all, I told you this conversation is good and it just keeps getting better. And my notes for this section are off the charts. Let me share them with you. I think if this episode had a theme, it would be yes and. We talk about if finance is important, you have a finance team. If risk management is important, you have a risk management team. So logic would say if culture is important and we've agreed that it is, why don't we have a culture team? We talk about the focus and the discipline that's required to make a real-time decision with long-term vision in mind, culture included. Because when culture becomes fragmented, it just affects everything the money, the customers, the reputation. We wanna stay proactive at this at all costs because look, when we get reactive, things go south real fast. We talk again about modeling and mirroring and how the we is greater than the me. I think Henry's exact words were, stop taking a stupid selfie and put the focus on others. And look y'all, that's funny. And it's true. Yes, and. We talk about how ripple effects are immeasurable. We talk about the business case and the disconnect and the numbers and how the goal is to always have a culture where you don't have to ask for permission to do what's right. Henry laid on us the deposit and withdrawal analogy that I love and I bet you do too. We talk about clear language as it relates to expectations and structure and process. We talk about how culture of trust allows for dialogue. In trusted dialogue allows for continual improvement, systems and processes that are impacted because of the misalignment that occurs from an experience as a customer and the alignment of the culture within. There's so much goodness here, and we still have more. All right, that's it for episode 15 of the Nitty-Bitty Podcast. As always, I am delighted that you're here, and I'd love to hear from you. So you can find me on any of the socials at Brittany Joy Fountain or directly on my website at www.brittjoy.com. And maybe you want to talk to Henry. Y'all, you definitely want to talk to Henry. You can contact him directly on his website at www.henryjordanleadership.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to The nitty Bitty. Until next time.